Hey friends, it's Amaris. Lindsay and I are excited to share this episode with you guys. On the Milk and Honey podcast, we're often talking about really hard issues, but with this episode, we wanted to do it a little different. This episode is going to be a lot of laughing, which honestly is so necessary in life. I can personally have a hard time watching shows or movies that are sad or make me cry. Life is already so sad that I don't need the theatrics to make me cry. Friends, I would much rather laugh. So in this episode, we're offering just that. We want you guys to laugh with us or maybe at us. So grab your cup of coffee, like literally, and join in on the conversation as we laugh about our uncomfortable dating stories. Also, just a quick note, we had some technical difficulties with this episode and almost didn't publish it. But sometimes things like this just happen in real life and we need to have grace on ourselves. We enjoyed the conversation and know you will too, but please forgive us for the sound quality and know that it isn't the norm for the Milk and Honey podcast. So without further ado, join us in this episode as we share our uncomfortable and embarrassing dating moments and how love originally blossomed with our husbands. You may not always see it, but there is a lot of sweet in every mess and in all of the mundane. Exodus 3.8 is a promise to deliver us from the brokenness of life into one filled with hope. We are here to remind you of God's faithfulness and how His love can lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Join us, Lindsay and Amaris, as we get raw and share practical wisdom for all things marriage, motherhood, faith, and womanhood. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. This is the Milk and Honey Podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. I'm Amaris and I'm here with my wonderful friend, Lindsay. Hey guys, I wish you could see my setup right now. I like prepped for this and I have one bag of Samoa cookies, one bag of Thin Mints and a bag of Snickers and Kit Kats. (laughs) And I plan to eat them while Amaris is talking. (laughs) So I'm just indulging. So with all of that to be said, you can go ahead and grab your Scout <laughs> cookies, your cup of coffee, <laughs> and join us in this roller coaster episode. <laughs> Let me start by telling you guys about my very first terrible kiss. I was 12 years old. I was in seventh grade. All my friends were kissing, so I... Had to start kissing too. I it's stupid that I even thought that way, but I did. Um, in hindsight, now I'm like, I wish I would have thought differently, but that's just not the case. So there I was yeah. in seventh grade, boobless because I hadn't gone through puberty yet, <laughs> and desperate to start kissing. Probably the only other boy who hadn't gone through puberty yet either, <laughs> and. <laughs> So I convinced Bobby to break up with his previous girlfriend just to date me. I was a full-on cougar, ladies. I was a year <laughs> older than him, and I got him to break up with his girlfriend just so I could steal a kiss. <laughs> so I literally kissed him, and then within hours, broke up with him because Bobby Too Little was too little for me. <laughs> only went up from there so I think within a couple months I started dating the next guy but all of my friends were increasing in their conduct 
And so I needed to move on to the next thing on my my to-do list with men. Um, So the next thing was making out. So I start dating Johnny for maybe a month when a group of us went on a big date. There was like maybe three different couples. And we went to the movies. I knew it was the night. I knew that we were going to make out because we went to the movies. And because of that, I will probably never let my kids go to the movies with the opposite sex. Same. Mama knows better. (laughs) I know what happened in those dark and cold rooms. No one is watching the movies. They're all making out. Um, So I remember sitting in the seats, pretending to watch the movie, just waiting for him to make his first move. And so he made a move, tilt my neck as far as it could possibly go to the right. It was so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. I'm like, seriously, I probably ended up having like a creak in my neck because it was that uncomfortable. And so from that point on, I, it started, it was the grossest thing ever. Like the grossest makeout session any woman could probably ever experience. <laughs> so I literally stop the makeout session because I was so grossed out. I don't even know how long it lasted. I hope it was like maybe a minute, but or even less. But it, I was so grossed out of how this was going that I pull away. And when I pulled away, I had so much saliva all over my face that I had to wipe it off. <laughs> It was, ladies, it was all the way up to my ear. Like the saliva started in my mouth. It was my saliva. You know the saliva smell where it like seeps into your pores. And then all of a sudden, all you can smell the rest of the day is saliva. So that was my life until I went home. So I had saliva all the way from my mouth, all the way up to the top of my ears. And I remember having to secretly subtly wipe it off because I didn't want him to be embarrassed. Um, and then that was it. I was like, that was not all that it was cracked up. Um, and I can laugh about it now, honestly, because I stopped crying <laughs> once I became a Christian. <laughs> so do you have any cringe worthy kiss stories, Lindsay? Yeah. My first kiss was very similar to yours. I was the same age as him, but I was in a grade above him because I started school early. So I try to like justify it now (laughs) that we were at least the same age. But uh, we were at a friend's house and we literally like planned this kiss, but we staged it. Like, I'm going to meet you here and you meet me here and we'll see what happens. And I'm over you. I was seventh grade. So I was 11. We walked and it's so funny. I will definitely not say his name because the people from my city, everyone knows everyone. So they definitely know who he is. But, and I still to this day know him and Jesse knows him, but he ate my face. <laughs> it was so, we just met. I don't think we even talked. We literally just went, we were both so awkward and uncomfortable. We just went at it. And I went like very calm. I've never done it before. So I was like, my lips are probably really closed together and just nervous. And he went at it and he licked like, (laughs) ew, I have not thought about this in so long. His tongue like went around my lips multiple times, like on the skin around my lips multiple times. 
Um, so from there, for me, I ended up maybe dating a couple more guys, but I got I got saved quite early, you know, like I think so that way my first kiss was with um, when I was around 12. And then so maybe I had like two or three years of a little bit of partying, a little bit of promiscuity, but nothing really had developed. And I shared all of this in our first episode, More Than Our Mess, but nothing had developed further with any of the guys. And so from there, I, at 15 or so, I came back to the Lord. You know, I, I started going to church consistently and I really dived in to my relationships with everybody. So this was back when there was that purity culture movement that was going on where everyone was, you know, saving themselves. They're saving their first kiss, saving everything. It's from this book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, where this purity culture idea had, you know, walked into the church and it took hands with legalism. And so I kind of got involved in that too. But I think that there are some good things about it. I will say that in a second. I'll get into that in a second. But for me, at the age of like 15 or 16, I finally decided that I was not going to date until I was 18 years old. So I actually signed a contract. I wrote out on this piece of paper. I bet one of my best friends and mentors still has it because she's one of those women that keeps everything. We fill out this paper. So I wrote all this stuff like Amaris will not date anyone until she's 18 years old and I will date God and I will love him and da, 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 all this stuff. And then at the very end, I signed my name and dated it. And then she signed it too for accountability. So I, I, you know, commit that I'm not going to date any guys, but I still, from that point, I still had crushes and I still liked guys and I even flirted with a bunch of guys. And it's funny because in the first couple of months of going to my church, I remember this boy sitting in front of me and like I was obnoxiously trying to flirt with him and like put my feet on him and <laughs> distract him from the sermon. And he was like not okay with me trying to do that with him. But we ended up dating. So the, that was my very first boyfriend after my contract. So when I turned 18, I, my contract is broken and the guy that I had liked, we had been liking each other on and off for probably like a year. And so that I turn 18 and within a week, he asks me out and we start dating. So we dated for maybe like six months or something like that. And then I ended up having to break up with him because I had bad grades. So it wasn't very long, you know, and hindsight now I'm like so thankful that we did end up breaking up because it like revealed so many issues between the two of us, like how much my personality really morphed to be what I thought he wanted me to be. And it's funny because even though I had been doing this purity thing and, you know, the dating contract and all those things, it still didn't address so many heart issues that needed to be addressed. Like, you know, all of my fears that I, you know, no one was going to love me or if I'm not perfect or, you know, lots of different things that really didn't come out and show themselves until I started dating. And then only five months after we had broken up, I started dating the next guy. And that guy was definitely a rebound. Um, he had terrible character. He was like literally crazy. This relationship was much more serious, honestly. We started to say the like, I love yous. We were kissing. You know, the re- relationship previously, we only held 
hands. That's it. Like the only thing that we did was hold hands. And with my, this next relationship, it really like developed much quicker. We were kissing. We we're saying, I love you. We talked about marriage and engagement and all those things. But then I just saw like a lot of character flaws within him, him not changing and, you know, not showing integrity and stuff that I really wanted to marry and a husband. So I ended up breaking up with him. He had been secretly doing drugs and all this stuff. And I'm in hindsight, I'm like, the Lord was protecting me. The Lord directed my steps to end that relationship because it was just, he was a a Mm. bad way for me to go. And so with all of this though, it's so interesting because our stories from this point, you know, are going to be so different. Mine was all about waiting and purity culture and waiting really with the wrong heart issue. Like I was waiting, but I wasn't really allowing God to work all these kinks out within me and really like fall in love with God and all of that, the depth in my relationship with who God is, that really started to come out when those breakups happened when I started to experience more pain and and I started to see heart issues that I hadn't addressed. But you know, here is what I will say. Everyone is like so against the purity culture because of the negative effects that it had on those people. But you know what? That time period, even though it didn't address like the heart issues of why I was waiting and really developing a, a love for God. I mean, I was still like basically dating guys, just not calling it that. It put really good boundaries and safeguards in place for me because I ended up not doing anything sexual with these guys. And so the very first guy that I dated, the one that asked me out when I was 18 years old, he is now married to my best friend and I was a bridesmaid in their wedding. And I'm like, wow, that is just like... (laughs) Something that you wouldn't see in a normal yeah. world, but because we didn't do anything, because we had really guarded our hearts, because we had done things the right way, our relationships were still intact. And so mm-hmm. that's like a really awesome story to me to see like doing it the right way, you know? Yeah, it makes such a crazy difference, which is why we've talked in our sex and intimacy episode and other episodes, why it's so important to not give your body along with your mind because you're giving your whole self to someone. And it just, it makes everything so much harder when you split up and way more awkward. I wish I could say that I had a lot of relationships that weren't intimate, but that would be a lie. Intimacy started so early on in my life. I think I was 13 that it just became a natural flow of the way I did relationships. And like we talked about in episode one, more than our mess, a lot of it was because I felt obligated to offer up that intimacy. But for me, Jesse was the only person who refused me, you know, (laughs) like literally pushing me off of him, like get off of me. I would pursue him in my moments of temptation and just wanting that closeness, that bond, because I knew what it brought to the relationship and I wanted him to feel that for me. And he just told me, no, like that's not what God has. So that was cool. But I mean, I can kind of relate because my relationships, they were such a mess. Oh my gosh. Looking back, it's so baffling to me how I stuck around. Like these guys 
that I dated, there are three in particular I can think of. And they cheated on me. <laughs> I like I laugh now, you guys. It was devastating at the time. But I look back and just think, oh, Lindsay, what on earth were you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but they cheated on me, each of them, like multiple, multiple times with my quote unquote mm-hmm. close friends. And I just, I just kept going back. And that was the thing. It was like, we would break up. They would sleep with someone that I knew usually. And then I would be sad and lonely. So I'd go back and then we'd break up again. These blowout fights, like me jumping out of the car in the middle of the road, (laughs) which is so interesting because Jesse and I, by the grace of God, have never fought like that. But my exes, you guys, it was like, that was another side of me that I would love to never see again was just these massive screaming matches. And they were so intense. Like for being 15, 16 years old, the amount of arguments and the intensity of these arguments, it was just out of control. Like I had one, I can still remember it. It was late at night and we were driving and I have no idea what happened. It was just another argument. And I literally, in the moving car, opened the door and jumped out. Like, I (laughs) no desire to be next to that person in the car anymore. And I just jumped and rolled out of the car. Like, I was totally fine. But that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. And all of these things. But And then it happened again. And I started dating this other guy. And we... He was a he was a friend. And a lot of the guys that I dated, I liked nice guys. And the thing is, is these guys were nice, but they were promiscuous. And it was just like I couldn't differentiate the two. He was nice to me. He treated me well when he wanted to. Then when he wanted to go out and have a night with his guy friends and just do whatever he wanted to do, he chose to do that. And then I had to just forgive him and move on. And I was the crazy girlfriend for not forgiving him or for not giving that freedom for him to go out with his friends the next time so that it could happen again. You know, it was just a cycle. And Mm. like these guys, I would ditch school. My grades went down. And my mom was always like, Lindsay, what are you doing? You know, she saw these damaging relationships a lot of the time. And I just, I clung to them because I didn't want to be alone. I hated being alone. And more than anything, I hated the feeling of rejection because these guys could go and get another girl right away, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I felt like, well, I need to stick around so they don't go get another girl. Whereas I should have thought, if they want another girl, they don't want me because then they would come crying back, right? They come crying after they mess up and I'm so sorry, forgive me. I love you and only you. And they were just empty words because it would happen again. And so I didn't know my value at all. And then in college, I started dating guys who were very attractive, sought after athletes and I mean, typically in college, what do you get? And I know it's a generalization, but in my experience, the college athletes were not faithful guys. And it was just a pattern for me. I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on. And it it just these relationships, I had two long-term relationships and then multiple short ones. And so it's really interesting because when I met Jesse, I was not interested in him. Have I ever told you that? No. Yeah. So for two years, he pursued me and I was not attracted to him at all. 
And he's, he knows this, like he's okay with me telling it. And because now I know it was 100% God's timing. Like I was not ready when I initially met him. But funny enough, one of my best friends was dating him. That's how I met him. She introduced me because they were dating. And we met at a party of hers that was, I wish I wouldn't have gone to. I was a believer and I had just broken up with my boyfriend and I was healing in the only way I knew how. And I met Jesse there and we both knew we were not supposed to be there. He had like walked away from the Lord. We were both like 19. And so we started spending time together and then he and my friend broke up and she actually was the one who was encouraging me to date him. And I just... I mean, we went through a lot together. We talked a lot and he was always, you know, pursuing me. Jesse told me that just shortly after we met, actually, he was in his driveway and he was praying and he felt it on his heart. The Holy Spirit tell him, this is your future wife. And so from that day, he knew I was his future wife and he actually told his family that. And this is all before I am even interested in the guy at all, you know? That's cool. So we went to church together. We did all kinds of stuff. He would always <laughs> invite me out on dates. And I'd be like, like he would invite me to the movies. And I would invite all my friends. Because I was trying to be nice. I still wanted him to be my friend. But I wasn't interested in dating. And he worked at Starbucks at the time. In the mornings, I would go and see him and say hi. And he would do cute things. Like I would go to Starbucks. Sometimes this is when I was single. But I would go to Starbucks. And I still have these little napkins he would write on. Like movie night soon check yes or no. And he would bring them to me or he would write me little notes and say, I love when you come in here to read. He was always so sweet. He's always been so sweet. And then shortly after he started kind of talking to this other girl and he had invited me to the pumpkin patch. And so I was like, oh yeah, let's go. And at this time I was finally like, okay, maybe I'm interested. Cause I went and I heard him teach at the church And I was blown away by his heart and his words and his ability to teach. And I was like, I don't know. Like, he loves Jesus. And I feel like I really saw that in that moment. And I went home and my mom's all, what are you waiting for? Like, look at him. He is so handsome. He loves the Lord. He's so kind. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I finally was like, okay, maybe I'll try. And at that moment, he started dating his ex-girlfriend again. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm thrown off. So he had invited me to the pumpkin patch and then he took this ex-girlfriend to the pumpkin patch and I wrote him. I was like, hey, I'm so confused. You know, I thought we were kind of starting to talk and I heard you took her. This was kind of my defining moment for me of, I know what kind of man this is. He said, Lindsay, my life is a glass house for you and it will always be a glass house. I don't ever want to have secrets from you. I won't ever hide anything from you. You ask me a question and I will give you the honest answer. So I asked him, what are your intentions? What are your thoughts? And he said, I just thought you weren't interested. And this was kind of an open door, you know, but I care about you so much. And he said, and I won't ever keep things from you. Just ask me. And that just showed his character for me, for a 19 year old, you know, to speak to me that way. And the love he had for his family, I just saw that. And so I came to a moment where I said, okay, I'm just going to do it. Two years later, let's go on a date. And so he asked again, and I said, yes. And I said, okay, it's a date this time. So we went to eat 
And gosh, we talked for five or six hours and just talked and talked. And in that moment, like it's just so crazy to have gone from you're truly just my friend and I don't have attraction to you to the end of that night. I was like, this man is my husband. I love him. It was crazy. And from there, I loved him so much. I pushed him away. (laughs) He broke up with me. It was a lot. Like I was so emotional. I was so fearful of him leaving me. I just realized what I had in him. And I had never had that before. I had never had a man who was so honorable, so loving, loved the Lord, and just truly cared for people and for me. And I freaked out. And I was so attracted to him. After that point, we broke up and then I (laughs) convinced him to get back together with me. And we dated for five months, got engaged, and then we were engaged for five months and got married. So how did he propose? So I was in Finland for 12 days with my family and we Skyped every night. And I remember driving my sister crazy because I would talk to him for six hours a night. And he had been with my family a lot and I was like, that's so weird, but so cool. He was going to the movies with them and spending time with them. And I just thought, he misses me. Like he's hanging out with them. But he was asking for my hand and then spending time with them. So I came home and I had a new bookshelf in my room that he had built for me because I love books. And it was filled with new books that I loved or had wanted to read or had mentioned. And then he covered it with all my favorite candy and bookmarks and stuff. And then he took me shopping for the day and we just went and got stuff. And it was a good timing because I was thrown off because I just thought he just really missed me and he's being so sweet and taking me on a date. It didn't seem like anything extravagant after being gone for two weeks. It was like, he's just being really, really nice to me. We went back home and he told me to get ready for dinner. So we went to dinner. My mom took pictures before and that was my first inkling of like, why are you taking pictures of us before we go to dinner? So I kind of had a thought, but I was like, no, there's no way. So then he had reserved this like event area um, at fireplace and we ordered food. And then after we ate and hung out, he took me up to this mountain that oversees our city and he had packed us little desserts. It's dirt and worms. It's our favorite <laughs> dessert. And we ate like in the bed of his truck and just hung out and talked and listened to our favorite songs. And then he got on one knee and proposed to me. And my first response was, no, 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 no. I freaked out. And he, his face turned pale. Like he didn't even know what to do. And I, it wasn't that I didn't want to say yes. It was like, I was in shock, I think. And so I was like, wait, no, no, no. Yes. Like, yes, but I don't even know what to do. (laughs) And my anxiety was through the roof that night. It was just out of control, but I was so excited. It was like tears of oh my gosh, is this really happening? Kind of, I don't know. Did you feel that way? Oh, yeah. Or were you just oh, excited? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I. so I threw up that night. <laughs> <laughs> I threw up like all night long. I was so nervous and excited. I mean, it's just, it was a big deal. Yeah. And I told him like, I threw up. I was so nervous. I threw up and he's like, okay, that's okay. It's okay. Like, are you, are you sure this is still something you want to do? I was like, yeah, I do. It's just a big decision. I think a lot of my emotion was like, why would he pick me? Hmm. Like, why would he want me? And that's still something in our marriage seven years later that I struggle with. Why did you choose me? Because I just see the world in him. I see so much in him. But yeah, then after he proposed before I threw up, (laughs) we went to 
a family party and I got to see like my whole family and show him my ring and it was really, really sweet. And then I just went home and he went to his house and I went to my house and then then I threw up. And then I threw up. (laughs) Yeah. How did you guys get engaged? So I had ended my relationship with that guy that went crazy. It was maybe like a year after that, that I just, I didn't date anyone. I was like not interested in anyone. And then Nick enters the picture and I was not interested in him at all. As friends, we would fight so Mm -hmm. much um, and we would argue and he would annoy me. And then one day I went up to him and I was like, listen, I am not interested in you at all. So if you have any intentions of thinking that I may ever be interested in you, it's not going to happen. I'm not interested. And I like went up to him and did that. It was very, very like cutthroat. Like I've shared many times how harsh I used to be. But yet he just kept coming. Like it was funny because it was similar to you and Jesse again that Nick just kept pursuing me and pursuing a friendship. But Again, this was back when things were a little bit more cut and dry on how dating would happen. And so, you know, we really didn't have very many conversations at all. He didn't tell me once that he liked me. I didn't tell him once that I liked him until Mm -hmm. the day that he asked me out to be his girlfriend. So up until that point, it was just a secret. And like, Mm -hmm. we kind of knew, we both, I knew for sure. That he liked me because one of my mentors was like, are you interested in him? And I'm like, I am interested in him. So it was just a lot of mystery and play and fun. And I'm, it was like a fun period of time. So I still had no interest in him, like all leading up to, you know, everything. Like we were just friends for a long time. And I started to pray about him. And I, because I felt strange, like I loved my friendship with him, but I was really fearful. And I think that's ultimately what it came down to is I was just so afraid of dating another guy and it ending or marrying someone and it ending in divorce because Mm -hmm. I came from divorce. And so, yeah, so I was very prayerful. And so I started to pray and God gave me like two different words and specifically they were both in dreams. And I believe that God, you know, will speak to us clearly. And for me, I have had like really cool dreams that actually ended up coming to life. Like I saw them unfold the very next day. And this was one of those things. And so I was praying about Nick and in two separate dreams, God like corrected me and steered my heart to like him and to like and then eventually fall in love with him. And so so then we started dating and it was all wonderful, but yet we fought all the time still. <laughs> we were just like so head strong. Mm. Like everything was an argument for yeah. us. And then it got better. The more that we learned each other and the more that we understand each other's buttons, we just slowly stopped pressing them and we learned how to communicate with each other. And so dating ended up growing to be more fun. And then we were getting closer to like the idea of marriage, but I was really afraid. Fear really was gripping me and I was having a hard time even considering engagement because I was just afraid, like, how can you fully know someone? Mm -hmm. You know, how can you, and you can't, like, that was my fears. I'm like, what if he's being secretive? What if he's hiding something from me? What if he's not being honest and he's displaying like, you know, his heart and his character and his personality is what I fell in love with. Like I too 
wasn't necessarily attracted to him before, you know, I, we were just friends and I wasn't really interested. I wasn't really attracted. And then it just like happened where I started to get attracted to him. And then I think what's so cool is that because I fell in love with his personality and his character and his heart and love for the Lord first, the depth in our marriage is so rich, Mm, you know, and it's similar, but I'm sure you can understand that because that was very similar to you guys. Like you guys were friends for so long, like you had depth in your relationship before anything romantic ever developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For both of us, the situation was these men, they chose us specifically. We weren't an option amongst a list of options. You know, right. it was, I want you just like Christ. He wants us specifically. He desires us. And to have that, to have a man who pursues you like Christ pursues the church and loves you like Christ loves the church. There's a reason we're drawn to that. There's a reason mm-hmm. that we see this is good. This is sweet. This is something that I want because we all want to be seen and valued and cherished and desired. And when you have a man who cares enough to put everyone else aside as if they don't even see them and they only see you, there is something incredibly special about that. And there's something incredibly special about waiting for that. Yeah. I just believe that God designed men to work hard and to pursue. And it creates a richness in marriage when men actually do that, when they actually pursue a woman and when a woman lets him pursue her. You know, so many times women just like jump the gun or she pursues the man. When I just think that when a man is allowed the privilege to pursue a woman, he almost loves her more because he had to work hard to get her. And that's just the way that men are designed. And so it's cool that both of our husbands were able to fulfill that, you know, within them. And not to say... And I know this isn't what you're saying, Amaris, but just for our listeners, that that's not to say play games, you know, play games, make them fight for it, make them pursue you and don't respond. That's not the case for us. When we both felt like this is where God was leading us, then we responded to them and we, we allowed that relationship to begin to build. So don't play games. Absolutely taints the relationship in my opinion. So make sure that you're faithfully seeking Jesus as this man pursues you to determine whether this is who God has for you. And if it's not who God has for you, cut it off from the beginning. If you know that this is not where he has you, if it's a non-believer or if it's a man who just does not have the same moral compass as you or the same priorities as you, then just be honest and upfront. But if it's something where you feel like God is just preparing you, then that's okay too. And you can let that person know you just need some time. Right. Yeah. It's just not kind to lead a guy on. We'll just say that. Just not kind. So then we started to like move into more seriousness in our relationship, but I was still so afraid of the future, you know, and what the future could hold. And so I decided to pray and I was like, Lord, I... I can't do this. God, I can't marry this man if I do not know that you are going to be in this marriage with me. That if you're not directing me this way, I can't do it. And I remember just like laying out my fears before the Lord and then praying the scripture of like, 
Exodus 33, that if your presence does not go with me, then do not take me up from this place. And that's what I needed. I needed the assurance from God that he was going to move into the next season within our in our marriage with us and that he was directing me to marry Nick. And I really just needed that assurance because I was just so afraid. And so I remember one morning praying about it and journaling about it, and I felt the Holy Spirit clearly say, throw a fleece out. And for those that don't know, a fleece is kind of like, if this happens, I'll go this way. If this happens, I'll go this way. And there's a scriptural reference. I could pull it all up and I'll put it in the show notes. So I felt the Lord say, put a fleece out. If Nick cries on this upcoming conference, we're about to go to a conference with our church. If you see him cry, then you'll know to move forward and to marry him. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't cry, then you end it and you break up. And... I knew it was God that was giving me this word because it was not my idea. It was not something I wanted to do. I was like freaking out, but I felt a deep conviction like within me that this was the Holy Spirit directing me. So I was like, okay, I commit to my fleece. I didn't tell anybody, I just, but I do have journal entries of the whole thing. It's really mm-hmm. cool. That's cool. And so the whole weekend goes and session by session is happening. Like all this whole conference is unfolding. And I'm like, I talking to Nick, no tears. And let me just explain. Nick is not a crier. Like in our whole relationship, I've maybe seen him cry a handful of times. Hmm. Um, And so he is not a crier. So this conference is going and session by session, nothing is happening, no tears. And I'm like, dear God, if he doesn't cry, <laughs> am I going to be able to follow through with my fleece? Like I was freaking out. And it was the very, very last session. It was like the very, very end of the conference. We we're about to leave. And the session was over and we meet up at the back of the church and he comes up to me and he is crying. His eyes are like filled with tears and I legitimately saw him crying and I just said to him why are you crying and he says I don't know I just felt like the Lord led me to cry and that was it and I was like that's crazy oh my word the Lord does answer prayers and I'm marrying this man (laughs) and so that's is and then I, from that point forward, we ended up like maybe a couple months later, maybe a month or two later, getting engaged. And we were engaged for like five months as well. And then we were married, and it was, but that has brought me so much assurance. And those like answered prayers, those like radical things where I'm like, Lord, if you don't tell me what to do, then I don't want to go and I'm not going to do this if you're not in it with me. And it has those moments like that is what assures me that God is directing it. Even with this podcast, with all my other ministries, I have felt that conviction because I'm like, the Lord has brought it to this point. The Lord has brought my marriage to this point. So he's going to be faithful to bring it through whatever season comes next. Um, and so I'll just tell my engagement story quickly, but so, so I was not aware, completely was not thinking that we were going to get engaged anytime soon. I felt like he had been convincing me that it was going to be a couple months away because of, he was like in his last semester of college, we had no money. So I was just like, oh, he's going to be waiting to propose probably once he graduates college. 
And he even like met up with my dad to talk with him. And I did not think anything of it still. And I'm like, even my dad like alluded to possibly him proposing. And I still was just oblivious. And he decides uh, we're going to go out. It was like a Christmas date. It was right around Christmas time. And he's like, oh, let's go on a for Christmas presents. Let's just do a really nice date. And I'm like, okay. And so I start getting ready. The day like starts unfolding. I start getting ready. I still was just like completely oblivious to anything. And then he texts me and he says, I, it makes me laugh because it just is funny. When he texts me, it says, I just got into a fender bender. I think Satan is attacking me. (laughs) Why would Satan be attacking you? What's happening in your life that Satan is going to be attacking? (laughs) He's like, it doesn't matter. I'll explain later. And at, at that moment, I was like, <gasps> he thinks he's getting attacked because he's proposing. And I connected the dot and I was like, is he proposing to me tonight? And I was freaking out. And I text my sister, I'm like, is Nick proposing me tonight? And she was like, what are you talking about? And she played it off. But then he was so nervous <laughs> the whole night. <laughs> And so we go to a restaurant, like this really nice restaurant out in Orlando. And then after that, we go to the Swan and Dolphin Hotel in Disney. And we are there and we're just like, that's where we had a lot of our dates. So we went there and I had to go to the bathroom and he's like, well, let me hold your purse. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> he holds my purse. And when I get out of the bathroom, we start walking and he ends up stopping <sighs> and he gets down on one knee and he like says this whole spiel. I cannot remember anything that he said. All I can think about it was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. You know, like I cannot remember a word that he said to me. Mm-hmm. Me neither. <laughs> I know. I know. Yes, I know. I'm like, how do I not remember any of those words? But we, that's what's funny is that Nick took my purse, gave my phone to one of the employees, and they followed us out. And so I have pictures of him proposing. Oh, he got it all cool. like pictured. And I was like, all these people are like, what is going on? And so I ended up saying yes. And literally, Lindsay, the night the night we went home, or I went home and he went home, the whole next day I was filled with anxiety. I was like, mm-hmm. can I do this? And I was like freaking out. I didn't go as far as to throw up. <laughs> I throw up easily. But I was in the exact same way. Like, I'm not sure I can do this. Blah, 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 blah. I was just like so freaked out. And then, you know, I ended up like calming myself down. Um, But what calmed me down though, it was the reassurance that the Lord had brought me to this point. Mm -hmm. God is directing my steps and he's going to continue to guide our marriage. And he has, he has been so faithful Mm -hmm. even to this point. So he'll be faithful to the end. So this is a fun episode. Yeah. That's fun. So we just wanted to share our stories and the entertaining moments, the gross moments, but then also just the sweet moments. We just wanted to be able to share more of our life with our listeners. And so we hope that you guys just enjoyed it. We hope that you were able to laugh with us, but we're just so thankful for you guys. And honestly, listen, whatever your story looks like, one, write it down because you want to remember it. Mm -hmm. And two, be thankful. Your story is not going to look like anyone else's and you don't want it to. So don't compare your history to ours or your story to ours. You want your future, you want your life to be exactly what God designed it to be. 
So rest in that. Be thankful with where you're at and where God has you because that is the best that you could have because mm-hmm. he is good and wants good things for you. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoyed this episode, then you're probably also going to enjoy episode one, More Than Our Mess, or maybe episode 10, which is all about sex and intimacy, or maybe episode 15, The Lies That Single Girls Believe, because a lot of that stuff that we mentioned in this episode really blends and intertwines with those episodes too. So make sure you guys check that out. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a second to visit our page on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It would mean so much to us. Your review helps the show to be found by other women like you, and it also helps us to continuously grow and become better as a podcast. For a daily pick-me-up, follow me, Lindsay, on Instagram at Sparrows and Lily and Amorous at Amorous Beecher. Tune in next week for more laughter, fun, hope, and encouragement. Bye, guys.